welcome Todd Lippy and Carl Ubik and Elsa. Thank uh, Book Court for putting together this incredible event and for everybody for braving the rain and being here. Mostly I want to thank Karlova for, first of all, writing this wonderful piece for the issue and then agreeing to be here tonight to talk about it a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in. This is in the current issue that just came out, and it's an, it's an essay on the value of literature. And I thought I would start by just asking you, how did you come up with the idea for writing this? I think it was written for a festschrift for a publisher friend of yours in Norway? Yeah, it was the head of the publishing house that publishing uh, my books. Uh -huh. And he was uh, retiring, and it was uh, 70. So there was going to be a book uh, to him from all the writers. And the idea was that he wants, he's in a committee in the government and stuff with literature, and they needed arguments for, you know, the value of literature. Uh -huh. So they asked all the writers to write about the value of literature. Uh -huh which made all these kind of very, very different takes on that. And this is, this is my take on, on that. What's the value of literature? Well, I, I love in, I think it's in, it is in volume five actually, which I'm not quite through, but there's a scene where uh, the instructor, the head of the writing academy says to you, I think you might have a good future in, in nonfiction writing, which is a horrible thing for you to hear. <laughs> the, worst, the worst curse in the world. And, and I know in an interview with James Wood, you mentioned the fact that you felt that essays kind of are finite in their effects. You yeah. write it, it's, a, it's an idea, it's done. Yeah. And fiction goes on and on and on and on. And I, one thing I loved about this essay was that I felt that it actually did both. I think there's a, particularly toward the end of the essay, it gets very soaring yeah. and very poetic. And I feel it's something that I keep thinking about and keep returning to. Yeah, but I think then it leaves the essay somehow and goes into yes, into something exactly. Else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's interesting because I wrote in my prose, I, I wrote you know there is storytelling and then there is reflection and it's kind of a change to those two modes all of the time. But there is something to storytelling uh, if you think of um, the Bible, for instance. Um, there are no reflections in the Bible; it doesn't exist. Right. There's no one thinking there. It's right. only through stories, you know. So you have the Cain and Abel story, which is, I think it's like 10 lines or something, it's so small. And the impact it have had, you know, over concept of brotherhood, killing, all that is, is immense, right. this little story. And you could uh, read it and you could, um, you know, uh, think about it uh, in different ways through like 2000 years, uh -huh. you know. That's storytelling. Yeah. That's, you know, because it's like bottomless somehow. In an essay, if you were an essay about killing your brother, it wouldn't have the same impact. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Do, do you approach writing the two things very differently, or is it, uh, and do you, do you have but, a preference as to? No, I don't, uh, I don't really, I don't really categorize writing. I mean, I just write, and it took me a long time to learn that, but, but that's, that's, that's the way I do it. So I do write as aesthetic because it's such a big part of my life. Uh, I mean, you're a student, you read philosophy, um, and it has, I've always been um, kind of separated from the life. You know, if you have an academic text, it's separated from their life. Absolutely. So all the insights are separated uh -huh. from it. But in a novel, you could include it. Uh -huh. You know, 
you could do the washing up and, and think of Adorno, for instance. Is that possible? And right. then those two are on the same level somehow. Right. That how it is to be human. Uh -huh. I mean, there's all those levels. And to represent that is the only form I can think of is, is a novel. Um, because a novel is so open that it could incorporate everything, everything yeah. and, and, and it, it continuously are changing. Well, you mentioned Adorno, and there's a great passage in volume one and another in volume five talking about critical theory, which I think we're about the same age. We were both kind of awash in, 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 in university and graduate school. And you say about, uh, I think you're reading Lacan and Blanchot and Chris Deva and everybody. You said, I read them as prose and learned nothing, understood nothing. But just having contact with them, having their books in the bookcase led to a shifting of consciousness. Just knowing they existed was an enrichment and if they didn't further furnish me with insights, I became all the richer for intuitions and feelings. Which I think it's such a great, I, I finally feel less guilty about not getting through any of my uh, critical theory texts in graduate school. And in, the, and in volume five, you're talking about Blanchot's take on Orpheus, and you say, these ideas were too grandiose for me. Uh, I saw them from the outside, knowing that their full meaning escaped me. Um, but I would say that this essay is a work of literary theory on some level, and I'm interested in that Maybe you've already answered it to a certain degree, but you don't depend on jargon to make your point. You don't, uh, you don't make it obfuscating in a way that's hard for the reader to understand. It's, it's dense, and it's, it definitely deserves several reads, but is that a conscious decision? I mean, I assume you're not a critical theory kind of person. You don't want to sort of delve into that world too much when you're writing. Um, I would love to if I could. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just read, as an American uh, writer, Maggie Nelson, and and um, there's a particular one book I love is the Argonauts. Uh -huh. It makes this uh, hardcore theory with you know, with with writing about her life and so on. But she has a, a really hardcore uh, theoretical book, which is so brilliant that I could never have done that. You know, I could never have done that at all. So I want when I write the essay stick, I out of need I always use myself. You know, somehow just to get a sense of a voice and, and something and, and then I try to illustrate it somehow and and get to places I didn't plan to go. Yeah. There is a, a part in that uh, essay which is about uh, language and about uh, the way we forgot language right. when it's no longer in use. Yeah. I mean and I kind of imagine a, a working place. In working places you have names for everything. I'm talking about the practical value of, of language, sure. right? And then you have a working place which is, you know, uh, abandoned. abandoned right. and, and that happens. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't do anymore because new technology and so on and so on. And then I was kind of almost in a Bres-like world where I invented names and, right. and yeah, you know. And that's, you know, that, that's much more a novelistic way to, to work. Um, and it is fun for me. Because that is writing. When I was young and I couldn't write, that was because I had an idea of how it was, you know, how it should be. And it was like it didn't somehow couldn't represent what was inside of me at all. And it was like I was ma making it, you know, constructing it, uh, like building it. But then when I was 26 uh, and I almost had, you know, given up writing, uh, something happened. And it was the moment where the writing became like reading, you know. It was a place you could just disappear. It's no thinking. It was like, and when you do that, you see something you haven't seen before, and, and it's you that have written it. 
that that's the interesting part. And that's and that's another way of thinking without using your you know your thoughts. Uh, and I think that's that's almost a definition of writing. I think, but it has to be an element of surprise or you know what is this? Um, and then something comes back, and then you are there, and then you are there, and and even if you write about your own life, it's like that somehow. Well, I love in the in the novels. Uh, Again, in volume five, you talk, I think uh, your, your a text of yours is being critiqued by your class and you say, listen, I didn't want to add a meta level to the text. I didn't want to be Kundera. I wanted mm. to be on the same level as the characters. And in all of the volumes of my struggle, you never, you never go outside of that character. Whoever, whatever Carlo, whatever age Carlo is at that moment, we are living in his conception of the world and his conception of reality. And I, it's such a gift to the reader because the reader is constantly filling that gap between, I can't believe he did that. Shouldn't he be, oh my God, I did that when I was 10 too. I remember, it. Yeah, but there's no contextualization for it. Yeah. Um, do you find it ever hard to sort of do that and not want to stop and say, apologize or yes, excuse yes, yourself? Yes, really? yes, I do. Yeah. Because there is a risk. There is not a risk when you are doing that, you know, from a child's perspective. Right. Every, everything, yeah. everybody yeah. understands. It's all innocent. And, but yeah. if you write something like when you were 20 and you were really, really serious about it, then people think that's what I think. You right. Know? It is this only ironic element to the books is this irony, you know, uh -huh. that there is someone knowing better yeah. than this. No, but that was... Uh, that was a constant, um, what's the word, uh, temptation to you know, say, I don't really mean this anymore, you know, I don't really think this. It's not this. me. No, it's not me. Right. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's um, my editor asking the child, but can't you just go up, you know, and slap for air and then go back down <laughs> so the readers know that you are in control, you know. There's a moment, actually, I just, I was, I just read... Uh, I'm almost halfway through the, the, the latest volume, and there's a moment where you say, I was, I was stupid. I'm 21, I, I was still stupid, but I was learning how to pretend that, I, or I didn't know anything, but I was learning to pretend more and more that I knew, that I knew something. Yeah. And that's unusual, because that actually is, you're taking us a little bit out of, of the world of the present yeah. of that character. Yeah, somehow. But these books are, you know, you learn to do that. You learn to yeah. pretend, and you learn to how to do things. And, when you are at university, you learn how to pretend that you know everything right. or somehow. And, and much academic training is kind of to, to hide the... Ignorance. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so writing these books is a way of um, trying to remove that again and try to show your own banality or your own stupidity and, and kind of say it's, it's okay, that's how it is. But it's also very risky because I was very afraid when I wrote these books that people would, you know, take offense and I think I was I, I do think that people think yeah, it, it, it happens you know, that's, that's it certainly happens thing. yeah 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 but it is it is if you say something very banal you know if you can think about it you you won't if you take it back you you know but in these books I wanted it to be present there's a lot of things I don't really mean but I had had it in my mind so I'm writing it down um there's a when I was editing with Martin Aiken, who translated this for us, um, and light editing, actually, um, I, w I came across a Mario Vargas Llosa essay called Why Literature? And I was struck by similarities, but also differences in your two takes on that theme. And he, like you, you spent a good, very entertaining first part of the essay talking about 
the community and what it takes to make a community work. And there are people who fulfill every role in the community from truck drivers to nurses to whatever. And artists are sort of this, you know, carbuncle on the, on the whatever of society who just sort of do their thing and have fun and entertain, basically. And he, in the beginning of his essay, he also says, you know, it's easy to look at literature as, a, as an entertainment, as a, as a luxury good, as a luxury item for people who have the time and the leisure to, and the money to, to enjoy it. But his argument, and similar to yours, is that it actually, literature provides this incredible function. It, it, it makes society better. Uh, and it helps society progress by offering alternative viewpoints and uh, uh, privileging difference and allowing people to understand each other better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you say the same thing to a certain degree. You talk about commonality uh, as far as uh, allowing your private inner language to be public. Um, but I also get the, the feeling on some level that you really feel like one of the great values of literature is what it does for the individual, the, the, both the writer and the reader. Yeah. And there's a, there's a quote you say, um, if you can find it here, only literature can offer up our inner private language and make it visible. Our emotions are awakened not to fulfill some external purpose, but so they may be acknowledged. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to talk about because this is, this is the effect of, yeah, but I could talk about it from the perspective of a reader. When, when I grew up, it was, uh, it almost saved my life, you know, to have, I was in a family, I had a father that was, uh, I was kind of afraid of, and, and it was a difficult time when I grew up, and I read just, you know, I read so many books, and I felt like I was connected to the writer, but also to another, another possibility, of, you know, another world, so to speak, and it was out there, and it was possible to get a grip of that, even as a, you know, eight-year-old boy, or ten-year-old boy, and, um, and, and, and comfort in that, you know. There's so many things, it's like, uh, and also all the things that you're learning when you do right. it, you know. Um, yeah, what was the question? Oh, I was yeah. just saying, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a way, I, I know you, you talk el yeah, more, yeah, more yeah, eloquently yeah, than yeah, I can yeah, say, but yeah, about... Yeah, with this book, it's it very special for me because I, I just had to write it. I didn't have a reader in mind at all, and I thought this is too idiosyncratic, it's too private, it's too, you know, too detailed, too much my life, that it could have any, any reader, even my friends would be uninterested, I thought, and, and no, it was exactly were very not. interested. Yeah, and, and why, I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but people, you know, there is a story about a country, which is a big story, you know, it's mm -hmm. like America, a great country, and so on. And then you have the news stories, you know, and then have many, many layers of story. But this, you know, the singular individual life, uh, which is, I think, is very much the same. It's like everybody has, you know, someone like a colleague. Everybody has a parent who's dying. Huh? And it is, yeah, it is. Um, Everyone has shame in their lives. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. And the only way, the only place where you can communicate that, that's very hard to do on film in other kinds of art, but that's in literature, and that's because it's it's human voice. But it's not doing it by itself. You have to, you know, you have to have to be one reader and one one writer, and it's a very intimate thing. It's only, I mean, you don't read in masses. It's not like a stadium with yeah, readers. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. exist. It's only you and the book. And the book isn't a foreign thing because you take it into your head and make it your own. And, and that's that's really is magic somehow. And when I 
when I talked about Maggie Nelson, I was fascinated by that because it's so strange for me, the view of the world, the view of you know, gender, the view of everything. It is almost opposite to how I perceive the world now. But in literature, it gives me a, a place where I can read it and, and identify with it and understand it and see it you know, from, from the inside, uh -huh. from me, and make it mine somehow. I can still discuss with it, but, but it, is, it is coming to me, you know, and that's yeah. what literature can do. And that's um, that's a theory, but when you're writing, you don't think of that. You just do what you you know what sure. you want to do or have to do. Or but also, when I wrote this book before this book, I read a lot of diaries, and in the diaries, this one Norwegian poet he lived almost the whole century, and he wrote diary entries from the age of sixteen till the day he died. You know, so it's a century, and he was a farmer. Um, apples uh -huh. and it was on that farm his whole life. There's nothing happening, it's every day, you know. But it's still and it's five volumes. And, but it still is good read it and it is it is kind of hypnotic and it is very like a great comfort. If you are in a kind of crisis you just read it uh -huh. and, and what, like what soothing. there's no insight there. Right. Like, it's but it's to be close to another self. Uh -huh. you know, that's the thing in those diaries. And that was what I tried to do in my struggle to have that presence of self and then kind of dramatize it and uh -huh. make it in, put it into action. That was, that was, you know, some of the thing I wanted to do. You, you, I know uh, you've talked about this a million <coughs> times and I won't make you do it again, but I know um, obviously every detail is not remembered accurately and there's a lot of writing going on to sort of uh, texture, add yeah. texture to everything. But I know also that you are concerned about things that are important that were memories to be accurate and there's a there's several instances where you've talked about the the whole scene with your father's house after he died and yeah. the bottles and and there was a dispute from your family that yeah. no indeed the house didn't look like that it was perfectly fine and then you were relieved i think when a was it an emt or a, a paramedic yeah, it was one of the team that came there yeah yeah and kind of basically said it was worse than even you describe in the book yeah would it would would not knowing that and not having that statement make that passage for you somehow less successful or less uh, or more problematic for you no, as a writer? I felt, I felt so guilty. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I, if I had made that up, not entirely, but kind of added things and, you know, tried to make literature out of it, that, that was when it's so, when the family I'm, I'm writing about and that I belong to, you know, it's, it's their story too, sure. that would be terrible. But there is a thing in this book, it is about memory very much, it is, um, but doubts memory, some crucial points in, in the book, it's a confrontation with a story, you know, with this story, I have someone saying, you know, no, this didn't, didn't happen, it happen right? yeah, and, and when I started the book, I decided no research, um, nothing, it's, it's what's in my head, can I trust it, no? I can't. Okay, I just write what write, write all it is because you, you change memories so it suits you better somehow. Sure, always. Yes, and that's a constant. It's it's in constant movement of memories, you know, and it, it it has to do with who you are for yourself, you know, and in this book I, and to get a grip of yourself to be, you know, your identity, who you are, you know, 
Mm, your identity is a story, you know, I, I was born there and I went to school there and so on and so on, and it's a short story, uh, basically. <laughs> but in the, this book I tried to, you know, to break that and to open it up and to see that it is so much more, co more complex. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the fund of things, uh, you change your memory subconsciously, mm -hmm. and we all do all sure. the time. And this book is also about that. Yeah, well, so there are even there are passages where you say, "Did I misremember this? It seems like I, but that can't be right because that happened another time." So yeah. you're you're engaging with that throughout the writing of the book as well. Yeah, and I'm interested in the subconscious version mm -hmm. of yourself. So mm -hmm. no, I was in an, in an, in an um, there was a situation, very dramatic situation, three years ago. I was in it, and I didn't do well, I have to say. Uh, and uh, then I had a friend who wrote, he was present, and he wrote about it. Uh, and there was a completely different version from what I remembered. Uh, and we couldn't decide what the right version was, but I knew instinctively that he was right. Because I looked so bad in, in, in the situation. I mean, it was really terrible, you know, like a cold, coldish. Uh. And then I subconsciously changed into something much better, uh -huh. because it was so acute and so dramatic. It and and it's scary that that happens, but it do, you yeah. know, so. And then this book is kind of exploring that element, to memory and to who you are and to identity. And, and, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, how many here have, have read at least one volume of the series? Okay, so this is an interesting, to me, this just, I just have to ask you this. These are people, um, who know more about you <laughs> than probably some of your closest friends. Maybe yeah. not now if your friends have read the book. Many of your family members, they know your deepest fears, they know your, your worst moments, your prejudices, your, you know, your, your weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. Is it just odd to be in a room full of people who know you so well, or not know you, but know the yeah. you you've chosen yeah. to? I, I wrote this book kind of innocently and I even I didn't think of this consequence. Because I thought nobody would be interested, basically. And then the book was published in, in Norway and I went to one event uh, and it was like uh, everybody around me changed somehow. It was different. Uh -huh. And I realized that that's because of the book. Uh, and it felt absolutely terrible. It felt like I've, you know, I sold sold my soul, so to speak. But I, I then decided I would never think about that again. And I would just it. deny it, you know? I would never go there. So I don't think of that. You know, when you say it, I think of it. Sorry. When I come in there, I didn't have that in my It's a way of thinking with it. That it but, and it works. You know, it works. It's true. I apologize. Um, so this is a kind of a, a little more off the, off the beaten path question, but um, the magazine is very much about the palpable physical object, and we have a very limited digital presence, and when I got this essay from you, I thought this has to be its own book within the magazine. It just feels like a manifesto. I don't want it to be printed on a page. Um, how do you feel about, do you have any strong feelings one way or the other about somebody reading your work on an iPhone as opposed to a, a, a book? Um. No, I've never thought of that really, but I, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have never read a book on, on uh, you know, an electronic device, no, never. Right. Uh, but I know that I'm perfectly all right. I mean, reading is reading. Yeah. I, but I love the object. I'm a publisher myself, I have a small publishing yeah. house, and that's the pleasure, you know, to have the object 
to book as an, as an architect of those cities. Yeah. That's, you know, that's why it's so good to come to New York where we have really independent bookstores. Yeah. You were saying that there are no independent bookstores in, in Norway, or one or two? There's one in the capital, and like in Sweden, mm -hmm. one, and the rest is chains, and, and, uh, and so this is. Mm -hmm. And it is such a good thing because it's it, it has changed, right? Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, it's going, yeah. That's, it's sort of the same way with independent publishing. There was a, I think 15, 13 years ago when we started, it was very much people looked at me like I was, they felt yeah. sorry for me. Yeah. Like, what a terrible idea to do a book you know, or a magazine. <laughs> and now, I'm five or six years ago, there's suddenly this boutique kind of industry around yeah. small pu press publications. Yeah. I, I know you, you have your own publishing house, and I'm sure you see it as well. But people really want books, I think. Do people still want books? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Um, I'm gonna, I could talk and ask questions all night, but I thought we'd open it up to people here. There are a lot of people here, and it's a great opportunity to, to ask some questions to Carlo. So.